0: I'm James Combs from Great Willow, and you are listening to Radio 8 Ball with Andros Jones.
1: Radio 8 Ball, give us a shame. We're in the studio, tempting fate. Put a question to the song, let's randomly select it. Without our friend, see Trinity. Welcome to the Radio Eight Ball Show.
2: Welcome. To the Radio Eight Ball Show, I'm your host Andras Jones, and this is the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. This is Radio Eight Ball, Season Three. The happening, 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 happening where we are engaging the Pop Oracle using the Radio 8 Ball app, which is filled with every song recorded in the history of Radio 8 Ball, as well as a couple hundred of my own. I hope by now you've downloaded the Radio 8 Ball app if you're an iPhone user. It's free and it allows you to play host and conduct your own musical divinations just as we do here on the show. The app also plays the latest podcast and selects the randomly chosen Pop Oracle Song of the Day. On last week's episode of Radio 8 Ball, Pat Thomas asked...
3: Why are our dreams so intense?
2: ...and received as his randomly chosen answer from the pop oracle, To Know You Is To Save You, recorded on Radio 8 Ball on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. in Seattle, Washington, on April 8th, 2008, by James Combs and Aaron Sean Hawkins, who are... Currently known as Great Willow. Here
0: come our trouble like a storm in the Here come our tantrum. What are we fighting today. All the crowds are parting in your way. To know you
4: is to save you
3: my
2: During the 2020 primary, before COVID basically ended it, and when Bernie Sanders was winning contests in states like California and Nevada, and the fine folks at MSNBC were likening this to the Nazi invasion of France, the New York Times and the Washington Post both ran questionnaires that invited voters to answer a series of questions, after which they would tell you which candidate most closely aligned with your answers. Well, after years of consuming biased journalism from these sources, I could smell the fix. So, I decided to take these quizzes, answering in the most outlandishly pro-Bernie way possible, which included gaming the quiz and navigating misleadingly framed questions, which seemed to encourage an anti-Bernie response. Despite this, I was told that I was equally aligned with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. This assumed sameness, manufactured by the corporate media and their allies in the Democratic Party, is going to be germane to today's session in ways that I hope will be self-evident. But let's take a step back, shall we? A day or two before my session with Pat last week, this week's guest, James Combs, and I got tangled in a social media scrap over my criticism of Democrats Joe Biden and Amy Klobuchar. Her for failing to prosecute the officer who killed George Floyd when she was a prosecutor in Minnesota, and him for being the legislative architect of mass imprisonment in the United States. James, who is usually a fierce and friendly debater, posted Trump 2020, which I took to mean that he was saying that by criticizing Democrats in the wake of yet another police murder for which they each own some culpability, I was somehow the same as a Trump supporter. I wrote to him privately and let him know that this accusation seemed particularly low, and James, being the great human being that he is, apologized, took down the perceived insult, and he gave me time to figure out how to explain why his words had affected me the way they did. It would be impossible for anyone to be more menschy or compassionate or emotionally intelligent when being confronted as he was. Even if he didn't understand why, he could tell I was hurting, and that's all that mattered to him. I, 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 really, I only hope I can be this cool the next time I'm called out, because I'm not always, and I want to be more. I was in the middle of trying to figure out how to honor our friendship and explain my reaction, perhaps my overreaction when James's song came up as the answer to Pat's question. I think you can hear in my response that it hit me right in the heart.
1: We have a song. Should I, should I now? Yeah. 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 Okay. It is by James Combs and it is called to know you is to save
2: you. Oh God. That's so perfect, Pat. Now in many ways, James and I are similar. We're both middle-aged white guys who write and sing songs, mostly on acoustic guitar. We're both inspired by the Beatles and the Kinks and many other similar bands from our youth. He's married to a Jewish woman and the father of a Jewish son. I'm the Jewish son of a woman who married a really sweet and thoughtful, goyish guy not unlike James. We're both pretty privileged, and we've both struggled in our ways, and we both obviously oppose the criminal in the White House. It's tempting to assume that these areas of similarity make us the same. This is a point James is at pains to make during our conversation and it's a hard one to refute in the moment. Of course I want to be unified with my friend and feel that connection and solidarity. And just as the questionnaires from the Times and the Post erased the very important differences between Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in a way that was misleading, When I encounter friends or family members who insist we want the same things, and then they support politicians and policies that work against these aims, I'll be honest, well, it feels manipulative. Now, nobody likes to be misrepresented. James makes it clear where he stands. He considers himself a progressive who supports the same progressive policies that motivated the Sanders campaign. And just as he is a great person in life politically, his heart is in the right place, and he's a guy who walks his talk. And I question his sources if he thinks that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are basically the same. Yeah, I I, I, I gotta address this purported sameness between Warren and Sanders because otherwise my brain's going to explode, honestly. It ignores some major differences between the two that really matter, like super PACs. Warren made a big show of rejecting them, shaming candidates like Joe Biden for accepting them, and then she turned around and took super PAC money from conservative donors just to stay in the race and hurt the Sanders campaign. Sanders, on the other hand, made it foundational to his campaign that super PAC money would not be accepted, full stop. That alone seems to be a big enough difference to pierce the myth that they are the same. But it doesn't end there. Bernie's record on civil rights has been consistent and exemplary since his youth. While Elizabeth Warren has engaged in offensive red-facing with her claims of indigenous heritage, and she was a Republican who supported and or refused to speak out against the deadly racist, sexist, and homophobic policies of the Reagan and Bush administrations. In fact, she only became a Democrat when the Democrats lurched to the right during the Clinton years. Now, campaign funding and civil rights are two pretty huge issues, and I could go on, but I really hope I don't have to. At the most basic level, Elizabeth Warren did something I don't think James would ever do. When her plan wasn't working, she went negative and attacked her friend in public. In doing so, she betrayed millions of working women and men who looked at both campaigns and honestly chose Sanders' Not Me Us campaign over hers. And instead of seeing this as an opportunity to work together to push a transformational progressive agenda, Warren took it as an opportunity to serve the party bosses in splitting the progressive vote and supporting a weak conservative candidate she told us she opposed over a strong progressive candidate we are told she is basically the same as. It's as misleading to say that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are the same as to say that the cops and the protesters both want peace. When one party has their knee on the other party's neck, or their knife in our back, there is no justice. And, as the familiar refrain currently ringing in the streets makes clear, No justice, no peace. Justice and peace. Peace and justice. On the macro level, neither are possible without difficult conversations and compassionate listening on the micro level, from person to person. And today, we're gonna have one of these difficult conversations. James, who believes in justice, is representing peace. And I, who believe in peace, am representing justice. And since I think we can agree it's impossible to truly have one without the other. And even though neither James nor I may be entirely satisfied with the outcome of our talk, it's my hope that in listening to this conversation, you'll get a healthy dose of inspiration to take on the difficult conversations and compassionate listening that will make a difference in your life and may ripple out into the wider world and spread this inspiration far and wide. And speaking, of spreading inspiration far and wide have you downloaded the radio eight ball app yet i mean it's free and i if you are an android user you have a really good excuse for not downloading it because we don't have one for android yet i'm an android user i had to buy an iphone just to test the app but uh this is great the app costs me money but it doesn't cost you any it's free and it's full of uh All the songs we've recorded on the history of the show. And if you're listening to the show, you probably like the songs. And you probably like doing musical divinations. And you could be the host of your own show in your own home. Isn't that fun? Well, I think it is. And uh, speaking of fun, uh, we have a lot of fun behind the curtain, backstage. When I ask my question, which I always do at the end of these sessions with our guests... And those questions of mine are only available to Patreon subscribers. And I know it's pretty expensive. It's a dollar a month. So, uh, you know, if you haven't got a hay penny, you know what I mean? But if you do, why not put it towards this? And uh, if you do, I'll give you a shout out on the show and say thanks. Uh, Now... If you'd like to help other people find Radio 8 Ball. And I understand the impulse to keep something, you know, private just to yourself. This is a very intimate thing. I mean, it's very selfish and and it's a it's a jealous way of living, and, and I, I don't endorse it, but I understand it and I've I, I have been guilty of it in the past. But if you'd like to open up our relationship and share this intimacy that we share with a larger a larger audience a really great thing to do is to you know to write to write a review and post it wherever you get your podcasts particularly at Apple podcasts because that's where most people get their podcasts and uh, the algorithm would put us in front of more people again I get it if that is uh, if that's a challenging request and certainly take your time in thinking about it but I think it would make our relationship stronger. That's just what I'm. That's what I'm. I'm saying. Uh, Hope that didn't creep you out too much. But I have had that conversation in the past, and maybe I'm sure I've talked about it on the on the show over the years. Anyway, uh, if you haven't already, please hit subscribe in your podcast provider, and you'll get this podcast every week when it comes out. Right when it comes out on Sunday morning. And uh, before we get down to digging into some synchronicity with this week's guest, let's do as we always do and kick off the musical divination with the Pop Oracle Song of the Day from June 4th, 2020, the day I had my conversation with James Combs. This was recorded at Theater Off Jackson in Seattle, Washington on April 25th, 2010 by Dan Byrne and Common Rotation with Beautiful Ride. Until next week, I'm Andros Jones, and I'm wishing you lots of spine-tickling, synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. Now one last song, I believe, from Dan Byrne and Common Rotation. 4th 2020 doing another musical divination here with the artist whose song was the answer to last week's question from great willow james combs welcome back to radio eight ball james
0: hey andras it's a pleasure to be here thank you for having me
2: yeah of course and uh how where and how are you pandemicing today and I guess uh, you know you're not just we're not just pandemicing anymore. We're pandemicing and uprising. So where are you pandemicing and or uprising?
0: <laughs> well, man, I'm kind of in the heart of Hollywood. Uh, you know, not so far away from where a lot of people are um, are marching um, and uh, you know and getting arrested. Uh, so I'm, but you know, our home. I'm really lucky. I'm lucky in my situation. I've been thinking that a lot. Throughout this whole uh, episode, I can do the work that I do from home. We are sort of, you know, we kind of added up what we have kind of coming in between unemployment and the work that we've already done and some of the work that we can do and we realize we're kind of okay for the rest of the year. So sometimes I, I think of, you know, the Tom Petty song, All Right For Now, you know, it's like, you don't know what the future is going to bring, but we're all right for now. I think being a musician and being like a freelancy person, uh, Your life is always kind of in an all right for now, or not all right for now, um, place. Uh, you know, it's, we always sort of live a little bit, you know, hand to mouth, so we're kind of okay for the time being, but, uh, but it's painful to, uh, see a lot of people not being okay, um, it's painful to see how much kind of... pain and stress and madness seems to be happening around us. So that is really alarming, but my own personal situation is I live in a you know kind of bucolic little you know one apartment of 3 in a nice little house kind of back off the street surrounded by trees with my wife and my 9-year-old uh, son. So I'm looking out the window at trees. And um, all day, every day, and uh, kind of, you know, watching the world go by uh, on my screen and out my window. But, you know, um, I'm alarmed, like everybody else is, at, uh, at how much pain everyone is in right now. And I'm finding it, I, just in the last like couple of days, I started to be encouraged by... How people have stepped up to meet the racial injustice of this moment. I mean, I, I found I find it really encouraging to see all those people in the street. Is my real response to it? Like, thank God somebody finally did it. You know, there've been so many injustices going down for so long in so many ways, and I feel like you know the the Mueller report sailed by and people were not in the streets. You know, and. Uh, Impeachment sailed by and people were not in the streets and, you know, and so finally, you know, somebody got out in the streets to do something about it. So, uh, you know, about one aspect of this crazy time. So I and I really I really I'm really appreciating uh, younger people. I think uh, it's really cool to see, uh, you know, African-Americans stepping up to this, but also other kinds of people stepping up to this so i'm encouraged by that um other than that you know it's a friggin' mess and like you know and it's painful to witness but i don't know i'm a sort of hopeful person by nature so i can't help but respond to all of this in a a hopeful way it's it's just how i am well, that's good.
2: I'm hoping that the Proud Boys, who are currently holding an anti-protest rally in Olympia right now, and I'm seeing posts all over my town about like, where are they? You know, be careful. I'm I'm uh, I'm optimistic that they won't find me, and I'm hoping that they don't make too much trouble here in, in Olympia today. So that's the that's the setting around which from which I'm I'm uh, reaching out to you. So yeah, yeah I this, think... there's madness in the streets, and uh, and I don't mean, and I'm not talking about the protest, the protesters.
0: No, I know what you mean. But
2: you know, I uh, I was at w, the WTO protest, and that was the one protest I was ever at where it felt like it was one of those that got national attention, in the sense right. that it became this huge story, the way this is, and being there and seeing how it was misrepresented and seeing how much manipulation went on. I remember, like, all of a sudden it was totally peaceful. Like, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, the streets were so full. It was like multiple stadiums full. And then I remember, all of a sudden, in the center of things, this van showed up and, like, five to eight guys got out wearing all black. They called themselves the Black Block and they started smashing windows. And the next thing it was tear gas and the next thing it was headlines and the next thing you know... It was the battle in Seattle instead of this amazing gathering of environmentalists and labor uh, and and workers to confront this, uh, you know, the nightmare that we have inherited. That to me, it all started there, you know? And so, yeah. yeah.
0: It's the, you know, it's the difference in volume. You know, there are a whole lot more, you know, kind of peaceful protesters than there are, you know, right-wing agitators or just chaos people. Yeah. I mean, I think most people want, you know, most people want justice. That's just yeah the reality, you know, like, and I think that, you know, I mean, I noticed, like, my son, you know, we were sort of really trying to figure out how to talk about this to oh. our nine-year-old, and, you know, when he... You know, when, when I think Jamie finally just told him, like, look, here's what's going on. Like, you know, this guy just got murdered by this, straight up murdered by this policeman, you know. And, you know, he did almost, you know, nothing. And he may not even have known what he did. But they just decided to, you know, kill him that day. And he was so distressed about it. Like, he, mm-hmm. he just, uh, you know, he wept. And he was like, that is just you know why would somebody do that to somebody else I mean just because they were black like why would they do that like he really really in some fundamental way doesn't get it
2: do you remember when you first realized did you did, did you have a, a memory of realizing that racism existed or at, yeah at an early age
0: yeah I do I do I, I have Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I heard it. I heard it from. I heard it from people I was, re- you know, related to, like country people that I was related to. I grew up in Indiana, so, you know, people were not, in, you know, in the kind of like, <laughs> the '70s and '80s, and people were not really that shy about expressing those kind of feelings, back then, and or or using, using words that we don't touch now. Uh, so, uh, I heard those words around and. Uh, you know, I knew what they meant and I didn't like it, but I kept my mouth shut because, you know, that was the environment that I was swimming in. But sure,
2: yeah. Yeah. I won't go into it now, uh, but I definitely have powerful and painful memories. I think I may even have talked about it on a different episode. The episode we did with, for people who are listening and want to reference it, I think I probably talked about this one, my, uh, the episode with Tracy Bonham that we did on uh, Martin Luther King Day. Uh, uh-huh. So check that out. But uh, but yeah, I remember, I, I think it, it's a traumatic moment. It's one of the first, I think, traumatic moments that an American, I guess like an American liberal or an American, you know, who who isn't raised around... People who are outwardly racist is to to, rec- to have this moment of recognition of like, oh, that is the world I live in, and then yeah. Uh, well, my yeah.
0: I, it was inter- I, my environment was kind of an interesting environment because my parents were school teachers and you know school administrators, and we you know I spent my elementary school years in West Lafayette, uh, Indiana, which was like a um, it's where Purdue University is, so. There were kids that, you know, it was like mostly white kids in my class, but there were, you know, it was a, there was like professor kids and there were, you know, it's an engineering school. So there were kids from India there and there were just, you know, there were just more, you know, when you think about, um, you know, Indiana, it was just more diverse than most places in that state would be. And, uh, and so... But then, you know, kind of like you go outside of town and it's a different world. And when I moved to a small town in the southern part of the state, uh, you know, kind of during my junior high school years, that's where I heard kind of racial language get a lot more amplified. Like, you know, when I lived in, you know, University Town where Purdue is, I didn't hear that much of that stuff. And we didn't really, you know, we didn't. It just wasn't talked about it. My parents you know, bless them. They were like, I didn't hear them say racist things. I don't think they really thought that way. I think they thought about kids and they were, had empathy for kids and they really took everybody kind of on an individual level. Um, and so that was sort of where I started. And then when we moved to like small town, Southern Indiana, um, when my dad got a different job, that's where, you know, I started hearing a lot more of, the other side of it in that school, that high school that I went to or that I would have gone to had we not moved again, um, had race riots. So, you know, that's where, I, that's where I was headed had I stayed where I was, you know. Um, so I'm glad. Uh, I don't know. I'm glad that I was raised by, you know, public educators who were a little bit more enlightened by it than everybody else, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so well, well, bringing it back to doing what we're here to do with uh, the okay. musical divination. The reason you're here is because your song came up as the answer to Pat Thomas's question about uh, why are our dreams so intense? Uh, he's talking about his own particular dreams, but I think he was thinking maybe we're all having intense dreams around this time, and maybe you are as well. And I don't know if you listen you know if you listen to it, but I definitely had the, I the, this moment of my heart in my throat when your song came up, because I think they think there was a kind of a unique personal synchronicity that was going on right at that moment. And since this is, you know really your session, your role here is to talk about how the song answered Pat's question or maybe give some insight into it. But I also think that there's a unique synchronicity that we share that uh, that I'm still kind of like, I don't know, just like uh, buzzing from, and uh, I was wondering <laughs> if you wanted to give your point of view on all of that. Do you want? Do you want me
0: to tell this? Tell the story about how I was bitchy to you on Facebook this week. Uh, you Is know, that what w- we're talking about? I mean, it's I,
2: <laughs> however you want to frame it. I we were we were we uh, okay. were in the mid. I would say for myself. I would at the very least. I would say that we were in the middle of some kind of a speed bump among friends that m- was making communication a little bit difficult and then all of a sudden the pop oracle came up with your song I, that i mean uh-huh. that that's the uh, we, we could go into the all the details of course but i mean in the most general sense that was <laughs> my experience and i think that's unique yeah
0: yeah there i was <laughs> um well i you know it's funny i haven't been playing that song for a while because we did a different band and now sort of a different batch of songs and you know how we songwriters are. We always want to move forward and uh, sort of... But I I loved listening to Pat's session. And uh, I love it that my song came up. And I love it that it gave us a chance to kind of reconnect with each other. Because Andras, you're... You know, I really consider you a good friend. And I really appreciate your perspective. And I think it's really different than the perspective of a lot of uh, more... Um, I don't know, you know, like, I'm dad guy now, and I'm around a lot of musicians, but I'm also around a lot of, you know, musician dad guys, and, you know, I think everybody in my world has a pretty um, generally close perspective on what's going on, kind of politically in our country, and, uh, and just kind of, you know, as sort of how we kind of go through our lives, and I really appreciate how you go through your life. Like, I always find talking to you really interesting, and I always appreciate your take on things. And it and it can be pretty different than mine, but I feel like you are, you know, you have a lot of, like, empathy and sympathy for people. And, uh, you know, and I feel like I do, too. You know, it's like I feel like I've always been a, you know, kind of diplomatic person and a person that... You know, one of the things I think my friends like about me is that I have a lot of you know kind of empathy, and I'm a good listener and all that. Um, but uh, you know, um, you I think you and I kind of got in a little bit of a I don't you know like I feel like I feel like social media like this is kind of you know the crime social media is committing against our brains in the world this thing where we're kind of all talking to each other by typing these little phrases and not looking at each other. And like, you know, most of it goes by and you sort of see one thing and maybe it'll piss you off and maybe you'll respond to that. And maybe you didn't really mean it to be kind of as harsh as it sounded, but it was a curt little statement and it just said, you know, sounded sounds nasty to the person that you say it to. And, uh, And so, you know, you and I, the last time you and I encountered each other, we had this kind of incredible night that I was really grateful for. You know, when you were at the conference downtown and you were in the Biltmore Hotel and you had the music suite rented out and you had some like really great musicians and a lot of really cool people there. And, you know, we played some music there and some other great people played some music there. And I loved that night. It was like I was so grateful to you for, you know, kind of providing us with Aaron and I, my, my my partner, my harmony singing partner in Great Willow that night to kind of just come up there and like get out of our heads and go be in this, you know, amazing vintage hotel downtown and just kind of, you know, live that moment. It was a really cool moment. And, you know, and I was very aware and grateful that you know you were the person who provided it to me and so and the same thing when you know we came up and played in Seattle and we came and we were on your show that was another really cool day so I feel like every time you and I get together I'm really like grateful for that experience so I kind of hate it that you know I grouched at you on Facebook for, you know, pointing out, you know, that Joe Biden has a like kind of, you know, some ugly history on race, you know, kind of in this moment. And like I told you, you know, when we talked about it later, and I apologize to you, that uh, – I'm just kind of in a panic about, like, the idea of four more years of Trump. Like, I can't live with that. I can't live with his voice for four more years. I can't live with somebody who lies constantly for four years. Like, that just causes so much dissonance in my life on just a daily basis that I really, like, I mean, you know, the idea of him winning again makes me feel like I might die, you know? Like, and I know for, you know, just... A lot of people, I mean, it really literally means that they will die. I mean, all of the people dying now from COVID who didn't have to die, you know, they're dying because of Trump. You know, everybody who, uh, you know, is the victim of, you know, this kind of racial violence that he advocates all the time. You know, all of the Jewish people who were slaughtered in synagogues, all of the like, you know, kids who are dying on the southern border. You know, like they're really literally dying. And I'm like a white guy who's just, you know... You know, who's doing sort of okay economically. Not great, but okay. But, you know, I'm okay. I'm married and I live in a, like, safe-ish place, you know. And so, uh, like, you know, the violence of Trump, just the violence that he does to everything about our society is so unbearable to me that I would really literally take anybody else, you know. I would take another Republican. Yeah, I wouldn't like it, but absolutely I would vote for John Kasich if he was running for president. And so, you know, in that moment where you sort of were going like, yeah, no, Amy Klobuchar, no, 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 no. You know, Joe Biden, no, he's done, you know, he's like, you know, look at the crime bill, look at, you know, all of the, Stuff that he's done over the course of his year. And I was reading today an article about the police union and how the police union were saying, yeah, we used to like Joe Biden because he was, you know, he was like our guy. He was like a stand-up guy, law law-and-order guy. But now he's not so much anymore, and we don't like that. So we're more for Trump, you know. And I was like, well, there's Andros's argument about Joe Biden. He used to be, you know, to the police union, you know, the, the guys who, you know, just kind of have their way with you know any anyone like he was the guy that they were for and he they were for him because of the reasons that you you know that you were arguing but my own feeling is I just can't for the sake of my child and for the sake of you know the environment and for the sake of just the idea of justice and just the kind of way we talk about things in america like you know that we're the country for you know obviously we're (laughs) you know obviously we're imperfect on you know on the subject of social injustice obviously we're imperfect on the subject of you know kind of you know imperialism obviously we have done a lot of bad things but our aspirations, I think, and I still believe, as a country, you know, the best side of us. There's a reason people around the world used to love the United States. You know, um, you know, and that, and that is the thing that I aspire to. I think people are imperfect. I think our country is imperfect. But the goods, but I don't want to throw the good side of out of it out because we're throwing the bad side out, um, and so, or because we're pointing out the bad side. Like, I feel like we need to, you know, and you just know so many good people. Like, you know, the people in your life are good people. So, you know, America's full of good people. And so I think I'm just so kind of fearful of what four more years of Trump would look like. I will take anybody over him. And so I think that's a button of mine. It's a big button. And I think you're, you know, a lot of folks on the left are arguing this idea you know, or arguing, I think, I feel like Bernie Sanders, I was talking to my wife about this. I almost feel like Bernie Sanders has kind of, you know, poisoned the idea of progress with his purity. Pardon hmm. me for, I'm just thinking this through as I'm saying it. So it might be total bullshit. Yeah, but let me, let me, okay. let me continue with my total bullshit and say that Bernie was, you know, Sanders was such a kind of, you know, pure character in this, like, polluted politics that everyone else looks polluted in comparison with him. And so if he's not the one, if he's not the one who wins, then, you know, do we take the character that's like, you know... 25% Twenty-five percent polluted, or do we take the character who's completely a hundred percent polluted? And that's the I, part where, I like, gotta, kind I gotta, of like,
2: ju- I gotta jump in here because there's a. This is jump in. This yeah, is where there's in. the assumption that I, that I is where maybe you know for you it was like, and I get it for you it was just being a little bitchy online. For me, it was part of a pattern that also that is frightening to me. So, uh, and tell me so. So to me, it's McCarthy-esque logic that says if you support civil rights, what you're doing is you're encouraging disunity. And so you're and that's what the Russians want. So you're a communist. If you support. So basically, it's this logic where if you support one thing because someone else might benefit from it, that we all agree is bad then you should not express this because then you are that bad thing. You are a communist. You are, uh, you know, whatever, you're a Trump supporter. If you oppose racism equally, you know, basically if you say racism is bad, racist policies, they'll forget about racism, policies that are racially motivated that fall more heavily on one group than another are bad. So they're bad whoever does it. And so it is our job, I think, as allies to be critical of racism amongst our friends, particularly, not just like it's easy to just say, uh, you know, these people who I never meet and I never talk to, they're horrible. They're deplorables. But, uh, but I feel like it's our responsibility to hold our, each other accountable, uh, to hold, for me to hold you accountable I, and you, hold a, you to hold me accountable and definitely for us all. Blue state Democrats, absolutely, to hold the Democratic Party responsible, accountable like you're like you live in California. Your state is going to go for for Joe Biden I live in Washington or whoever. You know, I'm still hoping that Joe Biden, you know, for some reason has to drop out of the race and that there's a stronger candidate because I also want Trump to lose. And that's why I think it's really important from my standpoint. Criticizing Democrats from the left is how you make them better that's what their what the democratic argument is is that by having us we will listen to you but then during a primary we can't criticize them during an election we can't criticize them once they're elected we can't criticize them cuz all of those things will supposedly help the republicans and i feel like that's you know that's that that logic helps the republicans more because in terms of helping policies cuz i don't care about the name on the i don't care about d or r i agree trump is terrible 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 but i also feel like if the democrats wanted to win they wouldn't treat bernie like you said like he's somehow the poison no he's the he was the medicine that was rejected by you know all these people who were in the street if they had an electoral outlet someone who wasn't saying if you don't support me then you ain't black someone who was saying You know, here are the policies that you want that will make a difference. I think we we would be seeing something different right now. But all of this, my point is, what I really want to to get at is that this is a larger, this isn't you, because you don't, I mean, between you and me, you don't know anything and I don't know anything about what's really going on. We know what we've learned from history and we know what we've made of it. And we know, I guess, to be totally fair, we both know the propaganda that we consume, and and then we come at each other and we both are representing different ideas within the Democratic Party right now. And when particularly and I, and I am not accusing you of this, but particularly when people use word, when people accuse progressives and particularly a Jewish progressive of being a, being poisonous. And I know you didn't mean it that way. It you ask about what is frightening to me. I am far more frightened by the unconscious McCarthyism and anti-Semitism in the soup, not coming from any individuals. I don't I don't I don't believe anyone is a thing, but these things we are all it. I'm floating in racism and sexism and homophobia and classism and all the, you know, all of it. So I'm accountable for all of it and it's all there and I do unconscious things. So this is I'm just saying for anyone out there who's like, What do you mean anti Semitism? People get really weird. But when you say that the person who's doing the good thing is the toxin, is the poison, and that is a language that does get weaponized against Jews a lot. And, you, and it was weaponized a lot in the campaign from the Democratic Party. Like, I have to interrupt you here. You know, you know, you know, my wife is. Uh, does it doesn't again. Hey, please Jewish, let right? me. I'm only. I'm telling okay. you my experience. I'm not telling okay. you what you did. I'm just telling you my experience. And you, when. When people use words like poisonous or toxic to describe a Jew who did nothing but unite people and bring a message of peace, it makes me nervous when it's accompanied by a McCarthy-esque logic that says if you support that person, if you support the, still support the policies that that person represented and are waiting for the Democrat, Democrats to say, oh yeah, if we just go with the policies that the people want. If we're democratic about it, then maybe we'll win an election. That advocating for that somehow means that I am a supporter of an outright fascist bully who, as you said, is a murderous potential for so many people. And I am working against him in the hardest and strongest way I know how. And I, and I just that's where that's where it hurts the most is when it, and it's not from you. It's from the Democratic Party, who a lot of them are my family. These are people I'm very close to is that intolerant attitude that if you have a criticism of our side, then you are the enemy or you are a supporter of the enemy, because I am never going to stop advocating for the policies that I want the Democrats to accept until they accept them. And these are life-saving policies as well. People are dying because we don't have Medicare for all, and the Democrats are standing in the way of Medicare for all, not Republicans. We haven't got to the point where they can stand in the way. You know, we have. So, I don't want to have the. I didn't really want to have the huge political debate. I really wanted to talk about on the on the interpersonal level how, uh, like ultimately, this is where the rubber hits the road. Is how we. Interact with each other, and what really scares me is the way Democrats have been have, are reacting to each other in terms of the, you know, sort of saying I don't care about your feelings, you know, I don't care what you want, fuck you, go away, you're sort of you know like you're a communist, you're a you know you're a Putin puppet, you're like all these things because I you know I want everyone to have Medicare, Medicare, I mean Medicare for all, I want because I want everyone to because I want very basic loving possibilities that should be in the conversation <laughs> okay there's a lot to
0: unpack there for one thing I you know I feel like um, I feel like you have a frustration with sort of centrist Democrats and in kind of voicing
2: your frustration to Centrist Democrats. When you say centrist Democrats, are you talking about people like you, or centrist Democrats I'm like Joe Biden about and Biden Nancy Biden
0: supporter people who, you know, I don't know, you know, Biden supporters, Cuomo supporters, um, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever that is. I don't know what that is, but I feel like you have a the, you have a frustration with people that you sort of perceive. Uh Like you, you're kind of you're carrying baggage into our conversation and you carried baggage into your response to me this week on Facebook. I support Biden in the way that Bernie supports Biden. I support Biden like I'm somebody who doesn't really agree with who didn't really want him to be the candidate. And I don't really agree with his his policy, like, you know, his sort of. I want Medicare for all too. I like Elizabeth Warren was my candidate, and I was like all in for her. And they're, you know, they're really close. I feel like I, I supported her because she was the candidate who was younger and could run for a second term. I think an 82 year old. I think I really, I think that Bernie Sanders, pure though he may be, is is too old. I think Biden is too old, and like I don't like it that we have an old candidate. You know, so I supported I supported Warren. I feel like. So, so I, I, my point being, I support Biden. Like Warren supports Biden. I want to end Trump, and like that, and then whoever gets in, then I advocate and push that person. I don't just accept that person. My idea is, you know, the Roosevelt model or the Johnson model, where like they get in and they don't support, or the Lincoln model, they get in and they don't support those. I mean, that's how. All progress has ever happened in our country where, like, you know, you put somebody in, whoever's in there is pushed by the right people and they respond to the moment. And that is the way civil rights happened. That's the way, you know, I don't know, Social Security happened. Like, so that's my, that is my hope. And I am not here to argue
2: with your strategy. That's not what this, actually, that's not what this show is about. Uh, but, but i I'm but not uh, my, my, I do have a question for you. But do you support the right of people on the left to support a candidate by criticizing their weaknesses and pushing them to be better, or are those yeah. people deplorables? Are those people something? <laughs> are those like? Because you asked. You said I have a problem. I do not have a problem with Biden supporters. Honestly, if you want to be totally honest about it, and this goes closer to home because this is really my family, I do have more of a problem with Warren supporters. But I don't have a problem with Warren supporters because I get, because my, how could I do that? Because it's my mom and I know what motivates it. I know the ideas. I fight with that idea. And I, and I have, like, I guess my point is, I, this is, we only have so much that we can do on the political realm, but between each other, our conversations can allow room for each of us to have different opinions and have different strategies, as very small and futile as they are, and the biggest impact we can have is on each other. And like so if you think that I have a pro, like allow me to clarify this. If you think I'm walking around mad at Biden supporters, I am like, then you're misconstruing me. And allow me, like really honestly, as a friend to friend, there's nothing worse than having a friend misunderstand you, and nothing worse than really misunderstanding a friend and taking something that's benign as hostile. Like I re like I am hostile to some of the, to like I'm again hostile to ideas and policies, and I and will and in the public square I will debate these strategies. But I but honestly, between you and me, and this could be this is where the rubber hits the road in friendships. You know, some of them have ended over this. This, and I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I don't think it is. Uh. But it is a question we have to ask each other, like, can if I go through this election season continuing to behave, to do what I do and represent the, pa- the point of view that I represent, will it be a burden to our friendship or will. And because I can tell you that if you are out there supporting Biden, uh, as long as you're honest about and if you're honest about it, then there's noth- nothing to correct and just say, I'm glad you are. I just hope you volunteer in Michigan and Pennsylvania, like, do something to, to make a difference in this, and work towards making sure that all the votes get counted. Because right now, the biggest hurdle to all of this is voter disenfranchisement and I know. purging of voter rolls. I roles. work on the move.
0: I work on the move on text team almost. So every day.
2: that's you know, and I, fucking, I I yeah. love you for that, James. Like that. Like I don't. My, I'm telling you, I have family who work in the Democratic Party. So maybe I'm. Maybe if I have any baggage, it's just purely Freudian, right? But. You know, but my mom accepted my personal wing of it. We're the radicals. And, you know, I have these these are the conversations we have over the dinner table. And it's all with love. Like, I never worry that my family's going to hate me because I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, even though it annoys the fuck out of them, just like they annoy the fuck out of me. But we can sit at the same table and argue and it never gets to the point of saying, you know, you're helping the other guy. By being here, by helping the fascist, the racist fascist who's in charge by, you know, by having an opinion that's different from mine. So, you know, and that's where, you know, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I'm telling you, that's what really matters to me. And that's if I have an issue with Biden supporters, it's really I have an issue with whatever the tenor of the conversation that feels in. I I have
0: I I only have an issue with being. Characterized as a Biden supporter, he's not my first candidate. He's just the one who's left. Right. You and you. But you you should be a Biden supporter right
2: now. You are right now. You are advocating for Biden, and it's again. Well, oh, maybe not. I'm ad. I'm not trying to put. I really. That's the worst thing is to put words in another person's mouth. So I didn't. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. No.
0: I was a really, really strong uh, Warren supporter, and also a strong Bernie supporter. I voted for Bernie in the last primary, and I you know i don't really see them as as different as you see them as so uh, i know you have big issues there but i also don't really want to become the like you know poster boy voice on your show for like democratic centrism like i don't feel like that's like you know here we are in the public sphere talking about our yeah. you know p- political yeah. kind of approach to this moment and i feel like you have a lot of kind of uh, you know you, you you we all have we're all we're all opinionated people Sorry, are we getting, we're so off the subject here on this. Yeah. Do you well, want to talk uh, so, about I mean, do you want to talk the well, side well, of
2: the, the point was to talk about the the song was the talk of the we of the such intense the question of why we're having such intense dreams. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Why to know you is to save you? Okay. I like, you know what I really like that was said? Um, I liked it that you guys talked about Delmore Schwartz. Uh, I love the Lou Reed song, My House, from uh, The Blue Mask, that talks about how his house is haunted by the spirit of Delmore Schwartz. It's an amazing song. But uh, I think I liked what you said about the the, the, the quiet line, the, you know, You know, we just watch quietly. And the next line after that is, you know, we're still here in spite of everything. Um, That song to me is about, uh, it's kind of about the people in your life that cause disruption. They're the, like, you know, you sort of have peace and, like, one brother will be, like, you know, the guy that goes out and gets in trouble all the time. Or you have some friend in your friend group. I feel like almost every friend group I've ever had has had some, you know, one or two kind of disruptors, like, kind of troublemaker people that everybody, like, kind of found themselves in a bad situation. You know, ruined the party and you're all there at the party, like, looking on in horror while they're, like, you know, peeing on the keg or whatever, like, doing something outrageous and Ba- or starting a fight you know um and uh so you know that that's kind of what that song is about how we all have somebody like that in my our lives but we keep them in there we sort of you know they're they're there with yeah. us we you know like, like I, you know, my purpose here is kind of to save you among everything, all the other things I do. You're my crazy friend who I, like, pick up at the police station and bring home, who I kind of help through their, like, you know, three, you know, bad passes at rehab before they go to their final one where they make it, you know. So... That's kind of what that song is is about but i but that and and those lines you know we're you know we're just watching quietly like but we're still here in spite of everything it's kind of like well, what is that thing that keeps us you know still here in spite of everything and i i feel like uh you know like you said uh you know we're we're all watching quietly but we're you know we're still here we're still you know trying to kind of participate in in American society and just like society with each other you know, like we we, you know, I think there's some kind of like love or human bond that keeps us you know, still here, so anyway I liked it that you, you know, we're watching we're watching quietly, we're trying to figure out what's going on but we're also, we're still here watching we haven't, you know, deserted this idea that we're a society so anyway Are you having uh, intense dreams? Uh, yeah, but I can't really remember what they are. My son had a classic I'm naked at school dream the other day, but he's been having kind of anxiety dreams. Like, he, you know, a someone's breaking in the house dream. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, have been sleeping worse than I, I mean, I've been sleeping badly for, for <laughs> since 20, since November, 2016. But, uh, you know, I've been sleeping worse lately than I had been sleeping. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just restless. Night is a restless time for me. But I think it's a bad, it's, a, it's an intense dreams time, for sure. And we all know why. It's in the air. It's all around us. Yeah, yeah. I, I, How about you? Have you been, since since you taped the Pat episode, have you had any intense dreams you want to tell us about? Uh,
2: actually, oh, my God. Well, I don't know if you're going to get a kick out of this. I think I, I, dream I I, I sort of d- figured it out. So I woke up with this in my mind, and I was just like, uh, the last thing I remember was I was at this, I was someplace, and someone showed up, and someone was singing, and they were like, I want to see Sylvia Black. And I think <laughs> it was my mind somehow putting together the fact we were in this altercation. We were in this like limbo state where we were having, I was just having, we were having feelings and I was missing being around people and I was feeling all this white guilt and just feeling so much like all this like compat. like, well, I want to do something to like help. I want to do something to help. So my subconscious had some Andy Dick come in, (laughs) I think, and kick you off the stage to, and make us listen to Sylvia Black, which is no, which is wonderful, you know. Uh, and it almost kind of happened. It didn't really happen that way in the dream, but he was like, you know, uh, it's just something.
0: That, I, did Sylvia? Did Sylvia Plath make an? No, appearance? Sylvia Black. Sylvia Black, who played oh, with oh, us. Oh, Sylvia Black. The, yes, 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 yes. yes sh- no, no, at, I know, I know who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I know. Her yeah, so, we've written a song. Right together. when she
2: had a different name. So it was just that was you know I'm sorry, man. <laughs> that my the one dream I remember. Uh, involves you getting kicked off the stage. But it's kind of funny because uh, I guess that also goes along with the stuff in the last episode about about Pete Townsend and Abby Hoffman. I sort of made Pat Thomas talk to me all about this incident where Pete Townsend kicked Abby Hoffman off the stage, and my dad was Abby Hoffman's therapist, and Pete Townsend is kind of like a rock and roll <laughs> father figure. So, like you, you could really unravel the dream and make it, it's like it's this amazing like the resonance of the poetry is all very important to me and probably uh, to you. Is just like all you remember is like Oh, Andros had a dream about me getting kicked off the stage, but really, what it was about was saying, Hey, white guys, step back. Let's all just take a step back. Except Andy Dick, because it's impossible. You can't make him take a step back. And let's listen to what Sylvia Black has to say, because uh, because it's her turn. And uh, you know, uh, yeah, that's a really that's a really on the nose dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: you know what I yeah. mean. It's like kind of like some dreams are like really abstract and some dreams are just like really direct like that's a really direct kind of dream. yeah and
2: i rarely i really I, I really and honestly that was me again me doing detective work i really just remembered someone coming in and being like hey i get out know, get off the stage i want to hear sylvia black and then i just yeah. sort of you know maybe that's how it was or maybe that's what i made of it yeah
0: it's funny i Like, I mean, I don't know about you. I almost never have dreams that are that direct. But when some super direct dream happens, like it really kind of makes you like mentally sit up, you know, you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) like, like when you sort of articulate back to yourself what happened in that dream, you're like, oh, my God, that is completely, you know, my subconscious telling me, you know, about this moment or, you know, telling me that I need to, you know, change or, you know, some big, you know, kind of big moment things happen in those very direct dreams but I, I don't feel like I have them I have them very much to you
2: no no I, I mean like I said I very very rarely remember my dreams and I actually wrote I just I wrote to Sylvia right in the morning before I figured it, just like hey I had a dream last night where some you were on stage I was on someone was on stage and blah 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 and she was like oh that's funny and uh, you know <laughs> Whatever you know, but uh, yeah. So okay, so uh, I- Sylvia is a mystery. She's so interesting. Oh. I don't know her very oh. well, but I
0: feel like she she's a deep well. She's really, really talented. She's so talented. Like I like I feel like sometimes you meet those mercurially talented people. Like I feel like, God, she's such a good writer and kind of like production visionary and singer and bass player. Really good bass player. Like her, I, I was. In awe of those songs that she played, you know, I feel like you know we see lots of people standing there with guitars yeah. <laughs> playing songs, but I was really, I was so happy that I got to hear her perform in that hotel room with the
2: uh, with the vibraphone. I know they brought um, a whole vibraphone yeah, up to the up to a hotel room. Yeah, in downtown. Was LA. Big. They brought Not it at, like, in an Uber. They but a Full size <laughs> vibraphone. Yeah, they didn't even. Have a yeah, car. that
0: was a that was a that was the most amazing part you know, kind of artistically of the night for me. And also the song that you and Andy Dick played together. Oh. I was really, well. <laughs> I was, I found his, your song was great, by the way. First of all, I really liked that song. Second of all, uh, I was amazed by his ability to really ride every, Possible detail in that moment, like he was really like it was almost like seeing, um,
2: Rain Man. Oh, uh, what's that? <laughs> See, like almost like seeing he Rain was Man. He's really theatrical. Brian? He's seeing a really
0: stuff. theatrical performer, and like I'm like that is like show. As those are show business instincts right there, and he was just kind of winging it, but he was really so good from line to line I was really impressed with that about him and you guys are great together you have good performer chemistry together
2: well I uh, we got to make the we made a video with the, Sylvia actually uh, this video for Absolute, my song Absolutely No Sense of Humor and it came out on March 15th right with COVID and there it is like sweaty and I'm people are grinding on each other I hump Andy Dick's head <laughs> I'm screaming in his face I'm sweating and it's just like oh that's that's a... It's all the touching anybody's going to see for the That's next a time capsule. 16 miles. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, speaking of time capsules, let's, let's keep moving through this because I I, I do want to okay. respect your time, and uh, we still have to get all to right, your music no with the nation. We still have some, some stuff to do here. So the Radio 8 Ball Pop Oracle Song of the Day, which was ran- every day the Radio 8 Ball app randomly selects one of the songs from the close to 2,000 that are in the app. That's where your song came from. And... Uh, once a day, one of these is chosen as the pop oracle song of the day for everyone. And today's for June 4th is by Dan Byrne and Common Rotation, and it's the song Beautiful Riot. And I sent it to you this morning. And uh, I have I have some... Some thoughts about that, but what what do you what what do you think about it? what do you have did you have any particular synchronicities around that song? Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I
0: listened to the song and uh, and I went and I looked up the, the lyrics because I had the luxury of time because we're doing this long distance, and uh, I know I've been aware of Dan for a long time. We played some um, we played some of those in Nara, George Topanga uh, tribute nights together, um, you know, ten years ago. He's friends with some friends of mine. I've seen him play a few times. He's really, really smart and good and like a really, really exceptionally good writer. Um, So when you know, he's like one of those writers that when you encounter them as another songwriter, you think a lot about their writing you go like oh man i really like what he did there you know it's kind of like listening to the music of randy newman or something it's just really smart and like i was like oh this is okay he's doing this in this song and he's doing it really really well and he's really doing it right and he's really doing it all the way there 100 percent. and i feel like that is what he's doing with beautiful life do you a second or, or Beautiful Ryan I'm sorry um, do you want me to talk about it for a second or sure. do you want to Yeah, Sure
2: it? no no I, I'm, I'm here to I'm much more curious what you have you're to you're say about okay it. Uh, so just general thoughts about the song? Thoughts about the song or maybe um, how it relates to some of the anything we've spoken about or that you've it's yeah, been going on it's, I mean
0: it's like it I mean the, the, you know this sounds like a song about human I mean it's obviously about human connection it's about like You know, the sort of like the adventure that you get when you're young and then the like the reward that you get when you're older, like uh, and and how that reward kind of feels like what it's all leading to. Um, You know, I think, um, you know, and and the fact that you've been able to sort of uh, have a lot of sound and fury and travel in your life um it kind of leads you to a a sort of stability as a person or as your life goes on this kind of like you bring people into your life hopefully if you're lucky you know you know your 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 partner your children your friends whoever whoever it is that you that you hold close um You know, it's like I feel like he's a man who completely understands what life is supposed to be about. And he wrote a really accurate um, and straightforward song about it that doesn't kind of get bogged down in a lot of like, you know, wordplay. It's just really like um, substantial in every moment, you know, like every, every line is really... Well thought out, um, you know, and the sentiment of the song is perfect. It's like a John Prine song that way. It's 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 like it's so um, dialed in from line to line, you know. So uh, so you know, on a craft level, I think uh, it's an incredibly well written song, and then on a heart level, I think it says the kind of thing that songs should say. You know, um like you know, like beautiful human songs, you know, it's just one one of the many categories of songs, but I really I appreciate that. I it's the thing I love about the Beatles, you know, that's their sort of their humanity. I feel like his song is like full of you know, real deal and
3: deep humanity.
2: Yeah, yeah. The end. Yeah, well I I mean are you familiar with the uh so this song was written for and originally appeared in the film Walk Hard uh, with John C. Reilly. Oh, this was in Walk yeah, Hard. This, have, have you seen the film Walk Hard? <laughs> yeah, I know it really well. My it,
0: friend Mike, An- I know, my, I knew Dan wrote songs for Walk yeah, Hard. Yeah, he and my friend, I, I was working for Mike Andrews, I think, like right after, who scored that film and kind of organized that whole recording project. And uh, like you know, we sort of had like about a year when we didn't see each other. Um, and he did that in that year. And, I, and but I, but I, am very, very. Familiar. I know Jake has, and I'm super familiar with that movie. Yeah, I've seen it a lot.
2: <laughs> well, so so the <laughs> uh-huh. so basically, it's the last. So at the end, when Dewey Cox has that last show. So
0: is this a parody song?
2: Well, that's the thing that the idea, basically. The I think the way the way Dan approached, from what I understand, the way Dan approached the writing for this originally, I feel like what originally he, so Jake was a huge, is a huge Dan Byrne fan. I first encountered Jake Kasdan on the set of Zero Effect because Dan was there, uh-huh. We was on tour and we were on tour together and he, they were shooting in Portland and we hung out and I remember it was like sort of the first time I remember seeing And, uh, and he was on the set, and it was, a, it was a cool thing. Anyway, the point is, Jake's a huge Dan Byrne fan. And so my understanding was that when he was coming up with this idea, Dan and Dan is incredibly prolific. That Dan wrote basically the history of rock and... He just sort of went through the history of rock and roll and did... You know, when Dan writes a parody, it's not... Re- like, it's it's sort of a tribute and a transform... Yeah, I mean... It's a parody is the wrong I think is the wrong word and I think that's one of the reasons that the that the film is actually pretty great because the songs are really solid. You could almost buy them as being because like you know a lot of like you who know songs Andra, are funny Andras, yeah. I'm I'm a really kind of like deep student
0: of song, but I completely buy this song I, and I think oh yeah. Things, yeah that these kind of that there's a kind of man, I, like I buy this as a mannered way of writing, you know. Um, but I, it's really funny that it's, you know, that there's this comedy element. Well, to I it think because that yeah, I thought of it as just this really sincere, but like mannered, obviously mannered, kind of like like old school language and like you know these sort of. Um, you know, this very kind of classic way of putting things together, but it's just one sort of trick that songwriters do. Like John Prine did that, um, you know, in his songs, like there's this kind it's this very like writerly way of doing it. And it's funny that, but I didn't, I didn't see this as a song, as a comedy song at all. I thought that this was just like, okay, Dan writes lots of songs in lots of directions, and this is his like extremely straightforward song. I think it's one of
2: it's out of. I have boxes (laughs) of tapes. I've been listening. You know, I've known him and played shows with him for you know from back in the nineties for many many years, and it's hard to pick a favorite song. But if I had to, I mean this might be my favorite. and it's maybe not fair because it's because it's not really 100% Dan uh, Mike Viola I think uh, collaborated right, right. with who is, on also, that. who is also who is also fully capable yeah. of greatness yeah. Yeah. but there's something yeah. like there, that that's a
0: lot of firepower behind this that song.
2: line traveling not just for business uh, accepting your mortality this is what I've learned when i remember watching that and just, I knew um, I'm one of the, the credits rolled and that played, and I just knew, oh, this is a Dan, that's Dan. That is so Dan. And it was such a, I don't know, very, yeah. a great moment of pride for me. And then he performed yeah. this at a, at a Radio 8 Ball show with the band Common Rotation uh, on April 15th, 2010, in Olympia, I mean, in Seattle, with John C. Riley as our Skyping in guest. Uh, and we And none of that would have happened without. That sounds like, like a really connection. nice It was great, yeah. and I love that song. And uh, cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got a little chance to talk about that. I would have. Oh, I I have huge uh, uh, retro FOMO in terms of the Inara George Canyon tribute parties. Ah, it's a season I should have been living in L.A. And I was too busy uh, being an alcoholic bartender and and hating life in uh, the Northwest. But you know, we all have to go through uh, our you know our chapel yeah. perilous. But uh, speaking of which. It is now your turn to approach the pop oracle, James Combs, Great Will. All right, let's do. Do you it. have the app Hold at on. the ready?
0: I hope my phone hasn't died. Let me take a look. Um, oh, can I do this while? Can yeah, I, you should I, be able I to. Must be able to do this. I must. Here we go. Um, hey, Andre's really nice interface on this app, by the way. Oh. The Radio Eight app looks really good. Thank you. Beautifully done. All right. Uh, my question. Um, okay, here I got a good I got a good substantial question for you tonight, my friend. Pop Oracle. Does the moral arc of the universe bend toward justice? All right, give it a shake. It's rolling. My answer is the ball is spinning. Schlitz. By Ira Marlowe. Ooh. Okay.
1: I don't know, but I used to hear, a man's as good as his favorite beer, My favorite beer Was Schlitz. A beer that made Milwaukee famous. When you're out of schlitz, you're out of beer. Reach for all the gusto you can find. Don't let go around once in life. And I had a friend when I was fifteen with a mustache for a fake ID. One weekend at Atlantic City with his folks. The boardwalk was shining bright as we set out that summer night water schlitz between us and our hopes and he met a girl and they made out on somebody's porch while I kept a out, learning all I could from across the street with a headache and a bottle at my feet and we snuck home as the sun came up and I didn't feel great but I didn't throw up and either way I knew that they were right you only go around once in life You only go around once in life But I don't know, but I used to hear man's as good as his favorite beer I don't really have a favorite now used to be there were just a few you made your choice and then you knew and somehow that was comforting somehow schlitz was a beer that made milwaukee famous you had to reach for all the gusto you could grab but i'm still reaching because they probably were right you only go around once in only go around once in
2: life.
1: Schlitz was a beer that made Milwaukee famous.
2: And that was Ira Marlowe performing the song Schlitz live on Radio 8 Ball in Berkeley, California on October 16th, 2018. And that was the answer to James Combs' question Does the moral arc of the universe bend towards justice does it really bend towards justice that's the question and what did you think about that as the answer to your question james um
0: i (laughs) i thought that i didn't know if this song was going to be able to answer this but actually i think it did it I think it gave. I think it gave a real answer to it, which is you only go around once in life, and also this kind of like idea that you're that you're, the the thing and the you know and by extension the people and uh, the mentality that comes from where you come from, is kind of that it's important, you know. So um, those are sort of two thoughts that I think are really in this song I mean I think that's kind of what this song is really about it's like I like this beer this shitty beer because you know because it's my you know it's my my world it's my home it's my like it's where I am and like and it's the one life I have so you know I think that you know to connect that idea to justice is you know you only have one you know you only go around once in life like you know are are you going to connect to the world to me like justice is just sort of like the basic like kind of an order of the universe kind of thing it's kind of like you know are you going to are you going to you know use your life to you know connect with humanity and justice you know so i'm going to say that this song believes in humanity and the idea that um, you know the the arc of the universe, the moral arc of the universe, you know, is really an essential kind of thought to you know hum- the functionality of humanity. Um, I'm gonna say that those songs are kind of on the same side, <laughs> you know, uh, that they're coming from
2: the same the same place. Speaking of coming from the same place, this is a song about wisconsin milwaukee wisconsin you said you're from you uh, grew up in i'm from in, indiana indiana yeah, there's like this I, midwestern yes. like northern whatever that whatever region you'd call that i feel like indiana is is in there not quite the great lakes region but sort of in like tucked in there did you have any sort of regional sympathy with this song did you feel like i mean there's a funny yeah book, As i was listening to it i was feeling like at this point listening to it now there was a part of me that was like oh well this is like like a Bob Seger song, if Bob Seger had a just a m- much much bigger heart and a much much bigger brain, <laughs> you know, like it's like yeah, it's like this shitty yeah. beer song, but it's all well, about it's also sort of sad and smart and and heartfelt.
0: Well, I I think I think Bob Seger is like a macho guy. This I love Bob
2: like Seger, a... by the way. Th- I like yeah, you
0: know, I I admire Bob Seger and I, I like some of his songs for sure. He was the like soundtrack of like part of my young life in a way that like at a moment that i was desperate yeah that i was desperate to flee so i don't have sentimental connections to to bob seeker like some people do but i admire his skill he's too macho for me i don't like his kind of whole beardy point of his beardy point of view his beardy northern point of view but i like i this you know i think um Ira is a lot more of a sentimental person and a more kind of gentle person, and that's sort of maybe more the kind of human that I relate to in the world. So yeah, I, I I relate to like a sensitive a sensitive minded person who kind of comes from that world for sure. But 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 I can tell that he's like, you know, he is he's skillful. He's really he's good at it.
2: Oh yeah, no, he is a uh, he is a true craftsman songwriter and yeah synchronistically uh another person who i've had a similar uh sort of difficult interaction around democratic politics as to what i've had (laughs) with you which is which goes to your point and i believe in transparency as in my role as the host especially in in when it's a musical divination like this that you know whether or not i have the baggage that You were attributing to me. I definitely have some kind of karma around this, and now I have to figure out how to relate to this because he, Ira, is supposed to be the next guest, and you only get one time, you only go around once in a light in your life, and it out, Andra, and I like I really I don't think he I honestly to be honest I don't think either of us like. Yeah, maybe you know. I it's different. Yeah, I think it's it's gonna be hey, hard. Dude, it's gonna be hard. I know
0: that you don't believe. I know you don't believe in this. You want to do a different one. No no no
2: no, okay. no, no, okay. no, no way. No, no, no. I absolutely. Right. I that's. And I want you know <laughs> what? what? You and saying. I, want, I want the. I want the audience to 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 know I'm gonna leave that in. Not because because I that is the that's the that was yours is the generous, compassionate impulse, and I, and I, I get. That's one of the things you said about yourself earlier, and it's something I get about you. You are—I feel it. I think that's what Pat was talking about in the way you sing, that that's—like, you can sing a harsh song, and it comes out so pretty. Like, you are an innately gentle and compassionate person. I am uh, not. You know, I, I am a compassionate person, but my spirit isn't isn't that— and so I get that you're offering the compassionate option, which is to not put myself through this. But as the host of Radio 8 Ball, <laughs> the harshness that I like, the, the ultimate, it's not even harsh, but the, the, I, I take this, I'm very strict around. The uh, you take it seriously.
0: No, no. Yeah. Andres, I knew you would say no.
2: I was yeah. just throwing that out there. Yeah. Like, you we'll know, have just to figure it out. You know, I, that... you know, I have a couple of ideas. I might approach it sideways. Uh, it's going to be an opportunity. Here's the thing. I'm going to take this on because that's what I do. And that's what this, I do believe that this format, and I encourage you to like, you, James, and I encourage the listeners to open up to the idea of like, there's ways of taking synchronicity seriously that can be really unhealthy. Like if you sense a synchronicity, like if you have a dream about someone being mean and then you treat them like they were mean to you, that's an unhealthy attachment to synchronicity like that's a, you know, you're blaming someone else for your experience. But if you have a dream about someone being mean to you, and it makes you really think about, well, what do I need to get right with inside about my feelings about this person? And I'm going to be rigorous and make sure that I, you know, I figure this out, or else it's going to, you know, it's going to really could poison my relationship with them. Then that's how I encourage people to take this on. Be, be, and, I, and that's how I take it on. is like, this is a, an opportunity to take on some difficult work. It'll definitely fill up my week, and uh, and I guess you know this is the healing we need to do. James is if we really if we really want to defeat the the guy in the White House, we got to find a way to, I know. to you know to unify. But here,
0: I mean, I will just say this again. I think that you. I'm sorry that I hurt your feel, I hurt your feelings, or I said something hurtful, it, or however that. It's
2: really okay. I I totally accept your apology. 100%. but i i know no no you've been totally cool about it and this is the thing i do think that we can all advocate for what seems like the the smart choice because i think intelligence is the, one of the things that we can you know that we can cultivate between each other and you, you know maybe my ideas are are wild and out there and maybe they're like it's it seems insane but I, I like that idea. Uh, I I I need to get. We need to get to the the backstage so that I can ask my question. So uh, before okay, yeah, we let's do, do it. is there anything just on okay. the level of promoting? I know you've been doing online shows. I have. You know what we have? I have a new thing out right now.
0: Um, I have a. I'll send it to you. It's a single with a uh, collaborative single with Ice the band Ice Hawks, Great Willow, and Ice Hawks in LA. Uh, the song is called "Radio Keeps Me on the Ground." It's a song that we. Wrote together and recorded together. uh, You know, with uh, we made a video, uh, and it's kind of up on the KCSN Together Tunes website. And we've been getting a lot of airplay, kind of all over the place. Europe, actually, they love the Hawks over there, and uh, we have been and we have been getting uh, a lot of airplay on the BBC. So yeah, that's we have a new single. Excellent. Well, you know, I love icy Hawks
2: in LA, and um, they're so good.
0: They're, they're, I think they might be, like, my human favorite band. I just, like, on a down-to-earth, like, ground, like, some band that you can just go see in your life. Like, they're astounding. I, I'm, like, I'm so, like, I'm kind of amazed by them as a country rock, canyon rock band. They're just so, their instincts are so...
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, they were on Radio 8 Ball. Uh, and, you know, uh, Paul Lax was in Double Knots by Car, who provide our bed music for this show. Right and also I would imagine that you and how do you and Paul navigate? Well, you know what? That's that's a question. Maybe that's a question for for behind the curtain. Follow us behind the curtain, as because Paul Axe <laughs> is definitely uh, he falls to my on my uh, side of the progressive, you know, the out there divide. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're on the same I know, you the know, the and page. I don't, I'm not trying to too, paint Andra, you as not. I do too. But I also, but I also do, but I, but at the same, I <laughs> yeah, okay. don't, but at don't, the same time, it's not I, accurate. In truth, it's not real. I will then, like, whatever, <laughs> wherever it's, we are, I agree, I agree that there are I will totally, I agree that there are areas where are the same, but I do want to differentiate myself to some degree because there are some things that I am, um, you know, I, I guess, if I was if I if the answer was for me, I don't like I think the moral arc of the universe bends towards something and in retrospect we may call it justice, but I'm more of the Howard Zinn mind that anything good happens because people fight for it hard. You know. You know, <laughs> like like and Yeah, me too. And and me that too. means you know, We're exactly and that the means same you know, and, and I uh, you know so there's some there, we are there is something yeah, yeah, i've read i've there's something I'm in the way that the we approach things too. and it's otherwise i don't know how it you know i don't know why we why we uh why it's a, again i don't know why it's a debate I again like uh again not to to say that uh i don't want to get stuck here because i but i feel like we we're, we want to find this closing thing that is has peace between us and I don't want to leave the listeners or you with the idea that I have misrepresented you as being uh, some sort of, you know, pro-oil, anti-environment, corporate democrat. You're you're oh, you're not. I'm, I'm, you're I, I not fight at all. You know, I and fight at the same that time, stuff constantly. If I. you can say to me that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are basically the same, I would say, well, to me there are some crucial differences that <laughs> that Are important to me that you're saying are less important to you. You know, we could go into what those are. But I want to make it clear that just because I'm saying that I'm different from you and I think that I have some different ideas and we are different and that's why we do debate. But it's like being fans of the Beatles. Like we're arguing about John and Paul. We both love the Beatles, but there is definitely something different between John and Paul. And if you're gonna have that argument, it's an argument about of agreement, right? Like we agree.
0: Are you are you accusing me of being a Paul guy? No, no, I'm a Paul John guy.
2: God. I'm a I'm a I'm a, a both I'm argue with anyone who tries to split them up, but anyone who's arguing against one I will argue for that one. <laughs> you will argue.
0: <laughs> me too. Me too. That's a good way of putting it. I feel exactly the same way. I can make, I can be on either side of that argument for anyone, but, uh, they, you know.
2: And once again, know. the Beatles have created peace. Thank you for giving your attention and intention to this episode of Radio 8 Ball Season 3, The Happening, with our guest James Combs of Great Willow. Please remember to subscribe to Radio 8 Ball in your podcast app, and if you like the show, please help other people find us by rating and reviewing Radio 8 Ball positively. If you tell your synchronicity story in your review, I'll read it on the show. Of course, we encourage you to download the Radio 8 Ball app from the iTunes App Store. And finally, I do hope you'll join our Patreon campaign and follow us backstage for my Pop Oracle reading where I asked, What's the best use of privilege? The Patreon link is in the show notes. We're going to go out with the new collaboration between James's band, Great Willow, and another of our Radio 8 Ball faves, I See Hawks in L.A. It's their single, Radio Keeps Me on the Ground. And with that, I'm out. Until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle.
0: It's never been easier my
4: we we'll